book of Hosea, chapter number 10. And um, I understand uh, we have kind of a typical and desirous way of preaching through the Word, uh, but occasionally you get a thought or something that you just feel is helpful. And so I just feel like the Lord wants us to do that uh, this morning. And uh, Brother Pyle, you may not have started a church, but you preached it better than any church planner could have, doubt. And uh, we go through it, don't we? And, you know, year three and four uh, were definitely the hardest years uh, for us. A spiritual warfare that I could not have imagined. And, of course, just a battle of the mind, different struggles. And at the same time, you know, you're... All those books that you read that uh, got you motivated, you're using to burn uh, to keep, because uh, only the good stories make the books. Everybody okay with that? And let me just put this out there. There's a good chance your story's not going to be book worthy. And uh, not according to, you know, what we like to read to motivate us. Uh, but if you'll be faithful, and let me encourage you, be patient. I'm going to tell you the number one reason church planners compromise is because things are not happening as fast as they wish it would. It's the bottom line. And let me just remind you, when you're you're stepping into being a pastor or a future pastor, you are, and don't minimize this, God is going to put people under your leadership. And if God wants to take 10 years to build you, so that you are ready to have his people under you, then be patient and let him do that. And just let him build you, let him prepare you, and don't try to come up with ideas or different things that you can do to rush the plant. Just be who God wants you to be and uh, let him do it in his time. And everybody's story is going to be different. And, uh, but our story can be the same and that we can just be faithful. And so that's the, that's the encouragement for you. Hosea chapter number 10, trust you have found it. Let's stand in honor of God's word. Just want to read one verse this morning. Hosea chapter number 10 and verse number 1. So verse number 1 of Hosea chapter 10. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He hath increased the altars according to the goodness of his land. They have made goodly images. I'm going to go ahead and give you the title now, though I typically think I would wait. A multitude of fruit with an empty vine. A multitude of fruit and an empty vine. And we'll understand that a little bit as we get into it. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have, uh, Lord, these uh, wonderful prophets that were sent to give these messages. And and Lord, we know that we can learn from them. And so we pray that we will do that this morning, that our hearts would be open for what you would have for us. And in Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Before we really understand... Uh, the really the weight to the first part of verse number one. I think it's important that we understand, um, and I know 
probably all of you here are well versed in, in Bible knowledge and, and perhaps even what this verse means and the significance of it. But if you would turn to Matthew chapter 21 and hold your place here, we're going to come back to this. I just want to give a little, a little uh, insight to maybe why this is such an important statement in Hosea chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 21 and verse number 33, Jesus is going to give a parable. And I'm not necessarily interested in the message of the parable, but rather we know that when Christ gave parables, he used analogies that they were familiar with. He used terminology, he used um, a job description, uh, he would use things that they could connect with and they could relate to. And then, of course, he would ask them to associate that with a biblical principle that maybe they were not associating with. And, and so he used things, we would say this way, something that was common knowledge in order to teach something that should be common knowledge. And so in, in, in Matthew chapter 21, I want to look in, and let's read verse 33 through 40 just to finish the parable, but really verse 33 and 34 is where I want us to see some truths. He says, here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and led it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent another, other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And then there's a great question in verse number 40. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? So there's a great parable here, but I want to I focus in on the common knowledge that is used. And we find it in verse number 33. And the first thing that is common knowledge is there is a householder. And so we, we just look at really what he is laying before them and, and we understand about the householder that the property belongs to the householder. The husbandman does not own the property, the property belongs to the householder. And not only does the property belong to that, he owns the field, he plants the vineyard, he digs the wine press, he builds a tower, all of these things in verse number 33 He's saying there is a householder who has made sure that there is a vineyard there, who makes sure that there is a wine press there, who makes sure that there is a hedge that is there, makes sure that there is a tower there. And so all of this belongs to the householder. In fact, we find out in verse number 34, the fruit goes to the householder. You find the timing of this, look what he says in verse 34, and when the time of the fruit drew near. And so the picture is the vines are ripe. The fruit is ripe on the vine. And so the owner, the householder is going to come to the field that he owns 
to the vines that he has planted, that he has protected, that he has set a watch above, and he is coming to gather the harvest that is on this vine. And so we could say about the householder, he owns the field, he plants the vineyard, he digs the wine press, he builds the tower, and the fruit belongs to him. Everybody okay with that? So this is just, this is common knowledge. That's why he's starting the parable off with this. This is common knowledge. Well, then we see as we get into verse number 33 and 34, in the end of verse 33, it says, and let it out to husbandmen. And so we see there is a householder, and we saw all that they own and how they receive the fruit, but then there is an husbandman. Now, the husbandman is put in place by the householder, right? So the husbandman is put in place by the householder, and the husbandman is to gather fruit for the householder. And so this is the picture that is painting this, so, so don't miss this. The householder owns the property. Now, let me give us some application to this. You have been bought with a price, right? You belong to him. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we can be called the sons of God. I mean, we belong to him, and that is, that is not a demeaning thing. We are part of the family of God, and, and so we understand there is a picture that is being painted here and that he is the householder, and we belong to him. We have been bought with a price, and then we know that he plants a vineyard, and the, the seed, we know the other parables, the seed that is thrown is the word of God. And so when you become property of God, when you become his child, he plants the word of God in your heart. It's his word. You belong to him. The word belongs to him. And he plants it in our heart, expecting something to grow, knowing, in fact, the word will not return void. And so he plants the seed, with the seed of the word of God in our life, and then he says about the householder that he digs a wine press. Now, I enjoy this part because if you think of it this way, how often are you and I blessed enough, if I can say it this way, just to drink from the word of God? I mean, just to study, just to get in and allow it to do our work. I mean, when you get a, I mean, it's refreshing to be in God's word. And it is enlightening and it is strengthening to be in God's words. One of, one of the, fa I mean, I have some hobbies that I do. I'm not going to watch any more movies after Brother Pyle said that. I, I mean, I have some hobbies, some things that I enjoy, but there's nothing that refreshes me. In fact, everything else wears me out. But there is something refreshing about just drinking from the Word of God. And so we can make some applications here. I don't think I'm stretching this too far. We belong to Him. He plants His Word in our heart. And He digs a wine press, allowing us to drink from the Word of God and to find refreshment in, in that. And so we find He digs a wine press, but then He also builds a tower. Now, you and I know the purpose of the tower is so that there can be a watchman who recognizes when, an, when maybe an enemy is coming or perhaps when the, when the householder is coming to be prepared and to greet him. Well, you and I have a tower. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Give us that discernment so that we can see that there is danger ahead 
or there is this is a good path to take and he gives that peace that passes understanding and so there is a tower in us in the person of the Holy Spirit that allows us to not use worldly discretion but a discretion and a discernment led by the Spirit of God and so I don't think I'm out of line to say I can look at this and I can see how I belong to God he has planted his seed in my heart he has dug a wine press in my soul and he has put a tower in me and I and everything I have belong to him so we have this picture that is painted here now don't now please keep in mind the fruit does not belong to me the fruit is his now everything belongs to him and so we see this picture that is that is painted here and and so the husband gathers the fruit of the labors and of course presents it to the householder. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says this, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, talking about when you become a child of God, but fellow citizens with the saints, and you know the rest of the verse, and of the household of God. He is the householder. You are, you become part of the household of God. And so when you got saved, God became your householder. Now I want us to turn back to Hosea chapter number 10. And we're going to stay here in verse number 1. But I think when we understand what was common knowledge, and we know by verse number 34 that the fruit was to be ready on the vine when the householder were to come. And when we understand that truth, what a weighty and powerful way chapter 10 starts off. Israel is an empty vine. You know what he's saying? They're offering nothing to the householder. Now, it's not because there's a lack of fruit. In fact, let's look into this, into this verse just a little bit. Israel is an empty vine. And please, please don't make this, miss this. And I, and I want to, I feel like I need to clarify just because of, I know the conference is a church planning conference. And so when I say fruit, you're most likely thinking souls. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm just talking about things that we owe to God. Our praise, our worship, glory, our gratitude. I mean just things that belong to him. The credit for things that take place. And thank God we ought to reach out and find the fruit in, in the way of reaching lost people. But I'm talking about what God has done in us and through us and for us. And if we're not careful, we'll not have anything for him. And so he says, Israel is an empty vine. We see this as a problem. Well, let's just clarify a few things. It's not an empty vine because there is no husbandman. Israel. Let me remind you of Joshua chapter 24. You live in cities you did not build, and you eat of fields you did not plant. You know what he said? I will be the householder. I will give you a land and I will give you cities and I will give you all that you need, all the provisions that you need. 
And this is, this is where they are. They have been given these things. And now he says, as God comes down and he looks at his people and he says, we have a problem. It's an empty vine. Well, it's not because there is no husbandman. Israel is the husbandman. It's not because no vineyard has been planted. We see a vine. So we can't say that the householder didn't provide a husbandman. We can't say the householder did not plant a vineyard because we have a vine. And we cannot say that it was a lack of production. Well, maybe nothing grew on these vines. In fact, look at verse number 10. According to the multitude of his fruit. It sounds like it was a pretty good vine. I mean, we have a multitude of fruit that is grown here and a, a multitude of, of, of what could be used and what could be offered to God. And, and so he says it's not because it's a, a lack of fruit or because it's not, it's not producing. And I would even say it's not because it has bad fruit. I mean, we've, we have a couple apple trees and sometimes it works out great, sometimes not so great. But it's not, we're going to find it's not, because the, the, it's not because that it was not good fruit. In fact, look what he says at the end of verse number 10. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. In fact, I, and, and I, I don't think I'm reading too much into this, but I think the fruit was so good, they were able to sell it off and make some money for themselves. And now they have some goodly images because they have some good fruit. And so we find the vine is empty, but it's not because there was not a husbandman. We, it's not because there was no vineyard planted. It planted. It was not because uh, there was no uh, nothing put it, or because the vine did not produce. It's not because what was produced was bad. Everything was there. Everything was there. It was an empty vine because they weren't mindful of the householder. So let me summarize this. God is the householder of your life. He has planted a vineyard. He chose a husbandman. There is great production according to the goodness of the land. And yet they offer an empty vine. So we would say Israel has a multitude of fruit with an empty vine. That leads me to the question, do you come with an empty vine? The vine is for the householder. I mean, what you bring on that vine belongs to God. The vine is what you have for him. The vine is what you bring with the intentional purpose of offering it to the rightful owner. Now, I am not asking, and please don't, don't miss this, I am not asking what is in your home. I know what our houses look like, and, and I have the privilege of traveling different places and going into people's homes, and even the homes of the people in our own churches, and I know our homes are nice, and our yards are kept up, and there is food in the cabinet, 
and there's a car or more in the driveway and we have clothes in the closet. But I want you to notice the wording in verse number one. Israel is an empty vine. Why is the vine empty? He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. Of course the vine's empty. The truth is, isn't it wonderful that he does let us enjoy some of the vine? Isn't it wonderful that he allows some of his word to be put in that wine press of our hearts so that we can drink from the word of God? And we can rejoice in that. But I, and so I'm not asking what is in our homes. I know what is in our homes. And so my question is this. If God comes to your home, would he say, there is a multitude of fruit, but the vine is empty? Well, what do you mean, preacher? I mean this. There's food in the pantry, but nobody's in a prayer closet. I mean, there's clothes in the closet, but there's no Bible reading taking place. And let me say this to our young people. If our young people would get excited about having time with God in your home at a young age, as, as you are about getting your own car in the parking lot, we would see a difference in our churches. There are cars in our driveway, but no personal time with God. I'm talking about in our homes. And I am afraid that if God were to come to our homes, he would say, our home is an empty, but what is here that's for me? I'm not, listen, if you're saved, you have no shortage of fruit in the land. Everything good comes from above. Everything we have is because of him. And everything that we are able to do is because of him. And so it's not that there is bad fruit or that there's not enough fruit. The question is, what is on the vine for the householder? The vine is empty. I'm not asking what is in our church. I see our churches. We have some nice churches across this country. We have some nice buildings. We have people with really nice clothes apart from a few church planners that have style issues. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, you, you, can come to, you can come to a church on a Sunday morning. There's no lack of fruit. I mean, our hair is done up and, and everybody is in their place and, and we have our nice building and our bills are paid and they're all caught up and we get our children ready and so we show up to this place, we have voices to sing the songs. In fact, look at verse number one, look what he says. He says, according to the goodness of the land, they've made goodly images. And I have to wonder in our churches, there's no question, we have some goodly images. I mean, we look nice in our buildings. And by the way, we ought to look nice and our buildings ought to look nice and our bills ought to be paid and we ought to come with a voice ready to sing. He says, according to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. Isn't that something? 
wow, this is a nice altar. I mean, I don't know what the altar looked like at that point, but they obviously added on and made it real nice. I mean, they have added to, they have increased the altars and, and this is becoming a neat place. In fact, a nice place. Quite enjoyable. Peaceful. I mean, the altars have increased and, and we might even say all the decorations are new and nice and clean and my, what, what an amazing thing that we have done here. But when God shows up, there was nothing on the vine. So my question really comes down to this. What do you bring that is for God? The householder. I'm afraid that we measure our churches by the amount of fruit that we pull off the vine rather than by how much we leave on for him. Why do you have to dig so hard to find saved people that are willing to praise the Lord? I tell you, one of the saddest things is to come to a, an independent Baptist Bible-believing church that has truth and knows truth and God has been, I mean, the, the fruit is plenteous. God has been good to us. And then you ask for testimonies. And if you don't wait more than eight seconds, you get nothing. I mean, what do we come with? Is there anything saying, I am coming with a full vine? God has been good to me, and it's not about keeping it to myself. And here's what I mean by keeping it to myself. If we're not careful, we'll take the goodness of God and start taking credit for it. And you'll take that wonderful job that provides that God has given you and you'll start thinking that you're real talented and you're real gifted and you'll forget that God can take that away from you in a second. I mean, we can take all the fruit unto ourselves, and we're quicker. We are quicker to tell somebody of our ideas and our plans and how what we're doing is working. We are faster at that than telling somebody about what God has done. I mean, what do we, what do we, what vine do we bring? He is the householder. Everything I have is because of him. And praise the Lord, I get to eat off the vine as well. But you better believe when we come into this place, there better be something on the vine to give to the householder. Why are we so, and I know I came from the south, and I, people have to remind me of that. You're not in the south anymore. I guess people get saved differently up north. But you know, it's not really that difficult to raise a hand. But here's the problem. You expect, we expect, I'll put my, we expect this Sunday school hour, the song service, and the choir to end that amount of time. Hurry up and put some, some fruit on the vine so that come preaching time, I have something to give him. You ought to come to God's house with a full vine. Sunday school is not meant to be warm-ups. 
Sunday school is not practice before the game. I mean, we are starting the day with a full vine saying, God, you have been good to me. In fact, the only time we ought to have an empty vine is when we leave these doors because we've given him everything and we leave to go gather another full vine to come back at 6 o'clock that night and to come back in the midweek service offering another full vine because God has been so good to us. Israel is an empty vine. We show up for a week of work on the vine for our employer. We show up with a trunk full of presents at our family Christmas. We show up with we show up to the bank with our payment on the vine for our financial responsibilities. And I know everything's done online, but I think you're, you're catching what I'm saying here. There is something that we know belongs to them, and so we bring it. We invite guests to our home for dinner, and we have a vine full of a clean house and food on the table and drinks in the fridge. We have prepared... We go to the grocery store with a vine of money set aside to give the cashier. We go to eat with plans knowing there is a bill coming at the end and we even offer a tip. But what do we come to with God's house? And I'm not, and I'm not referring to a financial thing and, 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 and please, I know we're far above this, but don't bring your tithe and think that you gave something. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of character to give to somebody what belongs to them. I mean, on the vine, what is it that you can say, I am bringing, I am, and it's interesting to me how many times people have to be built up into a, into a state of amen or, or a state of raise their hand, and it better be a real gifted, a real smooth preacher who can put together about 10 sentences without breathing, and then when he gets done, we're ready to Amen. And it's like we're training our preachers to stack the vine just so we can pull it at the end of the sentence. The truth is we ought to come to God's house saying, God, I am coming with a full vine. And what I'm bringing is for you. Sunday school teachers looking over lessons last minute. Nursery workers walking in looking on a schedule to see if it's their turn. We come so empty. And then we, then we gather real quick and pray, Lord, show up. And I wonder if God would say, ah, when the vine's full, I'll come. Listen, you can sing in the choir all day, and that was a beautiful song. But you know, you can sing in a choir and have an empty vine. You can sing a special song and have an empty vine. You can put your offering in the offering plate and have an empty vine. You can go through every motion of church you can possibly think of and be just as empty, empty, empty for the householder. I wonder, I thought about this, Brother Pyle, I wonder what would happen at our church if just one service, everybody came with a full vine. 
just a full vine. I don't think we'd have to try hard. In fact, I think we would, I think we would see some, I think we would see maybe for the first time what some verses mean. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't think we know what that means. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. I mean, do we not believe that God inhabits the praise of his people? And yet, I, be, I believe this, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but I believe a large majority of our churches are praying, God, meet with us, but nobody comes with anything on the vine. In fact, we almost have the idea that we're supposed to come with an empty vine so God can fill it. Yeah. What do you think God's been doing in your life all week? He's been providing for you. He's been satisfying you. He's been meeting your needs. He's been helping your family. He's allowed the seed of his word to take root in your heart. And you've been able, and just, just because you don't take advantage of the opportunity to drink from it doesn't mean he's not offering it. To drink from that wine of God's word. And yet we come to God's house service after service. And truth is, if somebody asks you before church, what are you bringing for God today? I think sometimes the only thing on the list is tithe. Truth is, there ought to be a whole lot more than that. There ought to be so much more than that. When we sing these songs, and I, I don't, I'm not for a show and all of those things, but when we sing these songs, it ought to be such an outpour of the vine that we have brought for him. Because when you bring a vine, think of this, when you bring a full vine and there's an opportunity to give some to the, to the householder, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And you're going to find great joy in offering him the praise that rightfully belongs to him. Let me tie this in to you church planners. Don't get caught in the trap that what you're supposed to bring to the householder is a full room. Because whether it's you, two others, or 500 others, it doesn't change. Bring a full vine for the one who deserves it. Bring a vine for the householder. And if you will do that, you might be surprised that those who come your way catch on. I, I wish to God that I would have caught this principle when we first started the church. Because I would have taught this as a basic. Come to God's house ready to give. And I'm, I hope everybody knows I'm not talking finances. God, so let me ask you this in closing. First off, if God is your householder, you've been born again. And then let me just ask you, has he been good to you? I mean, is the vine full? I mean, I mean he is, he, is he providing? Does he allow you to drink from his word? 
And I know there's sometimes we feel like we struggle in prayer and study. I know we have those moments. And if anything, it ought to just make you more grateful for when you get back in and you get that satisfying drink from the Word of God again. And we find that joy. So according to your own statement, it's not, a, it's not that there's no husbandman. It's not that there's no vine. It's not because the vine does not producing fruit. And it's not because the fruit is bad. So then if we come to church, everything is right, but yet an empty vine. I would go back to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 40. What do you expect this householder to do when he arrives? I mean, what are, what are we wanting? Lord, meet with us. What does that mean? Lord, give me an emotional feeling today? I mean, what does that mean? Lord, save a soul today? We ought to pray that. But I mean, what does it mean? God, meet with us. And if he meets with us, he ought to find full vines ready from individuals that say everything I have is because of you and I come today with a full vine offering it to you. We would never show up to a grocery store without the funds to pay. We would never show up to a restaurant without the funds to pay. We would not invite somebody over to dinner if there was not food to eat. So may we not come to God's house without a full vine. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. A full vine. The name of our church is North Liberty Baptist Church. I wonder. No, I don't have to wonder. I know. There have been too many times that God would have said, North Liberty Baptist Church is an empty vine. Insert your church name there. Can God say that about your church or your home? An empty vine? He's worthy of so much more than that. God, he's been so good to us. He's worthy of a full vine. I mean a full vine. God, everything I offer to you. Lord, we give you this time of invitation. Help us, dear God. Help us, dear God, to come with a full vine. Help us in this invitation in Jesus' name.